What a blessing to be in the house of the Lord tonight. You know, I, I am always thankful to be able to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Amen. In spirit and in truth. I want to go ahead and direct your attention immediately to Judges chapter 9. Judges chapter 9. For those of you who are extremely astute and really pay attention in church, you'll, you'll notice this is a text that a pastor spent some time in last Sunday night. Of course, he's been uh, working his way through the book of Judges. And uh, while he was preaching last Sunday, the Lord put this in my spirit. And uh, I want to preach from Judges chapter 9 really the entire chapter, but we're going to begin with verse 46, Judges 9, verse 46, and we'll read down through verse 49. And uh, as you're turning there, why don't you look at someone and say, I'm thankful for the word of God. Just look at someone and tell I'm thankful for the word of God. And uh, we're jumping in on a story. A sad story and there's a lot of lessons to be learned from it and uh, I, I do uh, plan to move quickly tonight um, but I do want to deliver what the Lord's laid on my heart if you have the text would you say amen and when all the men of the tower of Shechem heard that they entered into an hold of the house of the God Barith and it was told Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. And Abimelech gat himself up to Mount Zalman, he and all the people that were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bow from the trees and took it and laid it on his shoulder and said unto the people that were with him, What ye have seen me do, make haste and do as I have done. And all the people likewise cut down every man his bow and followed Abimelech and put them to the hold and set the hold on fire upon them so that all the men of the tower of Shechem died also, about a thousand men and women. And I'd like to preach tonight from this subject, false refuge, false refuge. Could you put your Bibles down and, and let's run to our only refuge, our only true help and let's lift up our hands and ask the Lord, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to help us tonight. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to sweep through this tabernacle. Speak to our hearts, God. Minister to us. I pray that your word would be alive to us. Lord, your word is anointed, but I pray that our hearts would be open to receive it, that our ears would be listening to hear it. Lord, that our spirits would be receptive to receive it, God. We love you and we praise you and we worship you. You alone are God. You alone are our great king. And we magnify you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. One more time, would you wave your hand to the Lord and just say thank you, Jesus, for all your goodness, all your blessings. We praise you, God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Refuge. False refuge. This... This story is so difficult to really break down. It's why uh, 
It's a great task for pastor to preach through the book of Judges because every chapter, every story is, is filled with detail and characters that uh, most of us uh, are, are not overly familiar with. Perhaps you've heard of some of these people and in passing, but these aren't uh, usually stories that we're uh, familiar with through and through. And this is one of those stories, kind of a quick story that we just get a glimpse and we're not even really given the entire background of, of everything that happened. We just have to kind of step into the limited amount of information that we're given and, and pull from these particular situations. But what we see is that Gideon had died and he had sons, many sons, and Abimelech was... Uh, one of his sons, but the scripture indicates that perhaps he wasn't a full son. He was a half son. And, and Abimelech uh, was thirsty for power. He was thirsty for kingship. And so the way that he uh, took control of the throne was by murdering 70 of his brothers, 70 of Gideon's brothers or sons. And so this was a a bloody, terrible situation. And, and, uh, and in the midst of all of this, the men of the city of Shechem uh, partnered with Abimelech in his murderous reign, and they put their trust and confidence in him. Now, what a difficult situation this was. And uh, when you even look at the life and the name Abimelech, uh, it's a common Philistine name for the son of a king or a ruler. We see other Abimelechs mentioned in the Bible who are no relation to him because this was a Philistine name indicating that perhaps his mother was a Philistine of some kind. And, and, uh, and so he brought with him a mindset, a pagan mindset into his kingship. And, and of course, the murder of his brothers and the, the desolation of the lineage of a great man, a great judge like Gideon. You have to remember that there was, there was a history here. There was a godly heritage here. There was a past here. And only one of the brothers remained. Jotham was able to escape the sword of Abimelech, and, and he hid himself. And he came out of hiding long enough just to, to preach, so to speak, or prophesy a parable beginning in, in verse 7. He, he prophesies this powerful parable of what is going to happen. And he defends the honor of his father. And he speaks out against Abimelech. And then he runs for his life. And he goes to a place that's very interesting. He goes to a place called Beer. And this was a place in the wilderness where Moses dug a well. It was one of the places of rest in the wilderness for God's people. It was a remote place. It's interesting to me that Jotham, the youngest son of Gideon, did not run to Shechem. He didn't run to the place where the showdown took place. Instead, he went to a place where there was a past history that Moses had put something there that he could depend on in the wilderness. And let me just preach to a Jotham for a moment tonight. You feel as if the enemy has come in against you like a flood 
and you feel like you have nowhere to turn, there is always a well in the wilderness prepared for you if you will hold on to your godly heritage, if you will hold on to the prophecies of old, if you will stand up and speak out for righteousness, God will maintain a well in the wilderness for your salvation and deliverance. It doesn't matter what your brethren are doing. It doesn't matter if all the Abimelechs are turning against the God Jehovah. It doesn't matter if your own family is turning their back on you. God is maintaining a well in the wilderness for your salvation if you will cling to the goodness of God. And so Jotham found a true refuge, even in dangerous and difficult times. And I don't know why I can't get past this, but I need to just say it again. To somebody who feels like you're in a dangerous or difficult time, you do not need to despair because there is a refuge for you. Don't run to a false hope. Don't cling to a false promise. Run to the one true God and cling to the heritage. Hold on to the old paths. You say, but the old paths are getting dangerous. That's all right. Keep on walking the path of holiness. Keep on walking the path of righteousness. Keep on holding on to the things of God. And he will sustain you when it looks like everybody else is compromising. When it looks like everybody else is just too progressive for the things of Gideon and the things of Moses. When it seems like all the revivals are in the storybooks of old. Oh, I know. I know that Gideon had a surname. I know they called him Jerubel, meaning contender with Baal or destroyer of the altar. How many remember that it was Father Gideon who went after the angel had spoken to him and he tore down the altar of Baal. And then he feared for his life because he said, hey, it might be my father own house that would come against me. Hey, I'm preaching to somebody at Apostolic Tabernacle. I wish some men would get some nicknames like Jerubel because I'm going to tear down strongholds of the devil. I don't care if the world comes against me. I don't care if my own brother, my own father, my own sister, my own mother comes against me. I am going to stand for the one true living God. Gideon had distinguished himself as someone who stood up for the one true God. And because of that, he had the kind of victories that we still talk about in Sunday school. He's not relegated to an obscure name on the pages of your Bible. Everybody knows who Gideon is, but we forgot about people like Abimelech. And we forget about some of the ones that we read in this story because they had long since turned away from the heritage of their father. And they were clinging to modern times. This is a new day. This is a new time. It's old-fashioned to talk like that. It's old-fashioned fashion to preach like that it's old-fashioned to cling to those things but they forgot that it's not old-fashioned to serve the God that never changes it never goes out of style to put your faith in the one true living God who is the same yesterday today and forever and so Abimelech rose to power Jotham ran into hiding after his great prophecy. And the people of Shechem had united themselves with wicked King Abimelech. 
But the Bible says that after about three years, and you, you know, as people who love the Lord, sometimes we watch people who are wicked or evil, and they, they make uh, covenants together. Uh, they make pacts. They make leagues with one another. And it seems as if they're incredibly powerful. And uh, sometimes we even see this in churches that oppose the things of God. And I know that's politically incorrect, but there are churches that literally are a stench in the nostrils of God. They're no more a church than McDonald's is fine dining. Hello. I know some of you thought McDonald's was fine dining. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> and sometimes we see these, these power structures that are formed. But listen, whenever wicked people start joining forces, you can always rest assured that they are going to turn on one another at some point or another. Because wickedness has a way of fighting against itself over time. And so the Bible says that the Lord allowed an evil spirit to come between the men, the city of Shechem, and Abimelech. And Shechem began to uh, fight against Abimelech in secret. They had secrets uh, against Abimelech. They laid in wait and they would rob his treasury and they would rob the comings and goings of King Abimelech and his people. And so there was enmity between them. And Shechem had put their trust in a pagan king who had turned his back on everything righteous. And in the midst of all of this, then they turned their back on the one that they had united against God with. You have to be very, very careful when you begin to oppose the things of God. Here's where it's going to get quiet. You have to be careful when you make a pact with a situation that is not righteous and perhaps you justify it in some way and you say well uh, I don't have a choice I've got to get on board with this I've got to do it because work is doing it I've got to do it because culture says to do it I've got to do it because everybody else is doing it and I don't I don't want to be different than everybody else I want to be able to fit in I don't want to I don't want to have to go out in public and be different than everybody be very careful when you start making packs with the world that has set itself against righteousness and against the things of God because it will always come back to haunt you. And so somewhere the men of Shechem grew tired with the wickedness of Abimelech. In fact, we even see that they were frustrated because they began to really think about how he had taken the throne. He had murdered the sons of Gideon, his own brothers. And this, this started to sink into them. And so they were regretting their decision. Listen, you've got to be careful when you make decisions because you want to be right with God in your decision making because there might be a moment when you start regretting decisions that you've made. Some of you need to start thinking about the friendships that you have and, and the conversations you have on the internet and the people you're playing with at work and some of the things that you're doing in secret places and, and conversations that you have in the dark. You need to be careful because God sees what you're doing and you need to make sure that you are uniting yourself with God in all of your ways and all of your comings and your goings that you are united with God and not compromising with the Abimelechs of this world. 
So the men of Shechem were were regretting this decision. And finally, Abimelech began to realize and, and all of this treachery and political intrigue took place. And, and Abimelech realized that this was happening. And, and he brought his army against the city and laid in wait. And we read this last week. It's an amazing thing. He, he began to come against them. Now, let me pause as we get into this part of the story and talk to you about Shechem. Everyone said Shechem. And this is important. I want you to hear this. I'm preaching to somebody with a similar background as me tonight. I feel this in the spirit. Shechem may not sound incredibly familiar to you, but it had a long heritage in the word of God. A lot of things happened in Shechem before this story, and a lot of things happened in Shechem after this story in the Bible, and things are still happening there today. It's a city in Samaria where Abraham pitched his tent and built his first altar in the promised land. And he received the very first divine promise. Genesis chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. It's where Jacob bought a parcel of field at the hands of the children of Hamor after his return from Mesopotamia and settled with his household. It was there that Jacob purged the people from idolatry by burying the idols of his followers under an oak tree, which was afterwards called the Oak of the Sorcerer, where Jacob dug a well. A place, a well that still bears his name to this day. The well of Jacob or Jacob's well. It was to Shechem that Joshua gathered all of Israel before God and delivered to them his second parting address. He made a covenant with the people that day at the very place where on first entering the promised land, they promised that they would serve the one true living God. He said, I want you to decide this day where you're going to go, what you're going to do, who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. It was in Shechem that Joshua delivered these words and people made a solemn transaction, a covenant, a holy sanctified promise with God that we are going to serve you and you alone. We're not going to have any other gods before us we're not going to have little pocket idols we're not going to have big idols in our homes and we're not going to build any altars to any other god but you alone lord this was the place where they pledged their families their children and their children's children unto the great god this was the place where they built a huge altar unto the lord under an oak tree this was the place where they put stones from the 12 tribes and they put them there as a memorial unto God for all of time that when their sons and their daughters saw that altar they would remember that Jehovah is the great deliverer they would remember that Jehovah is the great sustainer they would remember that Jehovah is the one who brought them out of the wilderness into the promised land when their grandchildren children could see those stones they would remember what Joshua did they would remember what great grandpa Moses did where they sang songs of deliverance to the Lord they would talk about the Red Sea they would talk about the Jordan waters being parted they would talk 
about the rod that was lifted up in the wilderness. And they would remember the manna that fell from heaven. This was a sacred place of covenant. Shechem had a heritage. Shechem had a past. It was the place where people remembered the goodness of God. In fact, eventually Shechem became one of the cities of refuge. The central city of refuge for Western Palestine. And here the bones of Joseph were buried. Shechem is mentioned in connection with our Lord's conversation when Jesus spoke with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And it remains today one of the oldest cities in the world. And it has all of these connections with the things of God. And yet, The men of Shechem went into league with Abimelech. And then when they got tired of Abimelech's reign, when Abimelech rose up against them and he ran out of the fields and began to slaughter them. I'm preaching conviction to somebody. You have made pacts with people and things that will destroy you eventually if you don't break away from the Shechems and if you don't break away from the Abimelechs in your life. It is going to attack you it's going to attack your children it's going to attack your family it's going to attack this church they had made packs and so Shechem was in shock when Abimelech tricked them and he came and he began to slaughter them in the fields and he began to slaughter them in the city and he began to run through the town until about a thousand people in desperation And it breaks my heart to preach about desperation because, you know, there's something about it. We can hear preaching like this. We can kind of sleep our way through a Sunday night and and kind of uh, sleepwalk our way through a Wednesday night. And it seems like we never really get serious about consequences until Abimelech is coming at us full force. And then we realize we need a refuge. We need a place of safety. All of the sudden, all the preaching about standards doesn't seem all that harsh because all the consequences start coming home. And we wish we could have a pastor tell us one more time what we need to do to be right with God and how to set boundaries and how to have safety marks and how to have a refuge and and how to put our feet on a rock to stay and and all of a sudden all of those warnings don't sound so silly anymore when Abimelech is rushing through our home slaughtering our family and our children attacking everything that we love and everything that we hold dear and in their desperation the Bible says that they did something and the Bible mentions it so briefly and so quickly if you don't pay attention it almost just passes us by the Bible says that they ran to the tower of Shechem and the tower of Shechem was erected and built in worship to the false god Baal Berith meaning the god of the covenant meaning that somewhere throughout the timeline of the people of this city in a city that was just minutes away from the altar that was erected to Jehovah just minutes away from where Joshua stood up and preached to all the people we are not going to abandon the one true living God just minutes away we're in the future 
Jesus would sit at Jacob's well and talk about living water. That if you'll drink from it, you will never thirst again. Just minutes away from where Jacob had seen in a dream a ladder going up and down from heaven. Just minutes away from where great men had spoken to God himself. They erected a tower and made a covenant with Baal. Did you know that you can have a godly heritage? You can be around church all your life. You can be right by an altar your entire life. You can come to church every Sunday and have an altar just seconds away and yet never, ever, ever reap the benefits of the altar because somebody else built this altar. You can spend your whole life in the house of God depending on everybody else's tears that have been shed on the altar of the Lord. You can spend your whole life depending on the prayers of Sister Cole and the prayers of your pastor. You can spend your whole life depending on the worship of the past. You can spend your whole life dwelling on the anointing of Moses and thinking about the heritage of Gideon. And yet you have made a league with Abimelech and you think that it's fine that you worship Jehovah and yet you have a tower to Baal at the same time they had built this structure at the edge of their city in fact it was so well built and so well fortified and so well structured that as Abimelech was rushing through the city about a thousand people looked at one another and said we've got to get out of the streets we've got to get out of this and we need to run to the only safe place that we can think of in this town and it's the tower built to Baal and so they ran to that tower a false refuge a false hope to a false god they and they barricaded themselves within a tower built to a false god that never heard a single prayer that never performed a single miracle that never loved them never heard them cry that never sent manna from heaven that never ever provided for them they ran into a false tower and barricaded themselves and Abimelech said aha I know what I'll do I'll just grab some branches and set this old tower on fire and their place of refuge became their place of death because you will live and die by what you're putting your trust into what are we putting our trust in tonight? And I mean, I mean, really, we have to ask ourselves this sincerely because we live in an age. We live in a modern age where it is so tempting for the church and for Christians to try to serve God and the world at the same time. 
That's why Jesus spent so much time talking about how, you know, you can't love me and love the world at the same time. You're either going to love one and hate the other or hate one and love the other. You can't have two masters. You're not going to be able to live this way. You've either got to be 100% sold out to me and you've got to decide, do you care more about what the world thinks of you or do you care what I think about you? And I'm asking the church in 2019, not far from 2020, do you care more about what the world thinks of you or do you care what God God thinks about you. Are you trying to build towers to Baal and towers to this world and towers to God at the same time? Or are you completely sold out to Jesus? Is he really your everything? Can you really sing from the bottom of your heart, take this whole world but give me Jesus? That's what the old timers used to sing. They would sing songs like, take this whole world but give me Jesus. Can anybody really preach like Peter? Silver and Gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Or are we trusting in silver and gold and Jesus at the same time? Do you know why we don't see miracles like we used to? Because we're trying to trust in our silver and our gold and Jesus at the same time. We're trying to. Take the parts of the world that we like and keep them here. And then take the parts of God that we're comfortable with and put them here. And yet we cannot live that way. We can't put our refuge in two places. Because when the enemy comes in like a flood and you're asking the Lord to raise up a standard against the enemy. And yet you have no standard to raise. Mm. See, the reason the enemy keeps flooding some of your lives is because you have no standard to raise up against the enemy. Because you're trying to hold the standard of the world and the standard of Jehovah at the same time. And when the enemy finally does what the enemy was always going to do, you're trying to reach over and grab Jehovah's banner. But you can't lift Jehovah's banner if you've got the world's banner at the same time. You better put down the standards of this world. And by the way, the world has standards. Don't let them tell you the church is legalistic and hard on you. The world has all kinds of standards. Ladies, they're going to tell you you've got to cut your hair and wear makeup and put jewelry all over your body or you're not beautiful. Then they'll tell you you've got to drive this and do that and grow this out and look like this and tattoo to that and cut this and all of these things in order to be cool the world has its own standards the real decision is not whether or not you're going to have standards the real decision is are you going to live by God's standards or Baal's standards and it's time for the church to stand up and say when the enemy comes in like a flood I'm going to be able to raise up the standard of the one true living God Hallelujah, hallelujah. Which standard are you going to raise when the enemy comes in? Because the enemy is going to come in. Even though you think the enemy is your friend right now, Abimelech will come against you in the middle of the night. What standard are you going to be able to lift up? coming to church on Sunday looking one way going out to work on Monday looking another way I rebuke it in the name of Jesus you cannot have two standards and proclaim the name 
I know y'all didn't expect this tonight. You're going to preach with me anyway for about five more minutes because we've got to raise up a standard against the enemy because we've got to push against the spirit of Abimelech that is still alive and well in this world. And by the way, you can always spot the spirit of Abimelech because Abimelech wants to kill brothers and sisters in the Lord. Abimelech will walk around you, talk like you, walk like you. He'll even talk good about Gideon. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty, Abimelech will slit your throat and he will rise up into power and try to tear the church down and build the altar of Baal up. But the church needs to stand up. I wish a Jotham would stand up and say, I'm not taking it anymore Abimelech I prophesy against you there's going to be fire there's going to be a stone there's going to be a death there's going to be enmity between you and Shechem I know as holiness apostolics, sometimes we feel like we're the minority. But, you know, Jesus told us the ways nary and as few there be that are going to find it. And we shouldn't be surprised when what Jesus prophesied actually happened. But let me just tell you this, Jotham. I'm preaching to a Jotham right now. It may look like Abimelech is having it both ways. They've got the mega church. They've got all the fun they want to have. They're living promiscuous lifestyles. They're doing anything they want to do. They're dressing like the world, talking like the world, walking like the world, looking like the world everything it looks like they've got it all but let me just tell you Jotham you're not going to be in the wilderness forever Abimelech's going to have his day and Shechem is going to have its day God is going to reign in the end you, you might say Gideon's day is gone and it's just old fashioned church we're not going to have revival like that anymore I rebuke it in the name of Jesus there's still a Jotham out there in the wilderness there's still a remnant here in Jonesboro there's still the people of God who know what it means to break down the altars of Baal no 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 we're living in a day where people want to have it both ways, but it doesn't work that way. You're going to have to depend on the only true God and the only true way. One Lord, one faith, and one baptism. I said one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. I said one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Hey, it's still holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Hey, you're still going to have to raise up a standard that is pure and right before God. What are you putting your refuge in? I'm almost done. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 3, but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you. From evil, the psalmist said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalmist said again in Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. And in him alone will I trust. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength 
strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. I'm preaching to a Jotham right now. You're tempted to join in with Shechem, but you need to go ahead and run to a true refuge. Don't put your trust in a false refuge. Put your trust in Jehovah. Put your trust in Jesus. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. I said the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. He only is my rock and my salvation. He alone is my great defense in the time of trouble. You say, but Brother Ryan, you don't know what I go through. You don't know how hard it is to stand out in a world full of Shechem's and Abimelech's. You don't know how difficult it is to be a Jotham who's just running from the snares and the sneers of the Abimelech's of this world. I don't want to have to be in the wilderness drinking from the well of Moses. I don't want to have to be a stranger in a strange land, but my friend, I've got news for you. Jesus called us to be sold out and separated from this world and you are going to be little more than a pilgrim passing through this world because this world will never be your home. This world will never be your refuge. There is no tower in this world that will ever sustain you or save you. You've got to run into the rock that is the rock of Christ Jesus. You've got to run into the very foundation that the builders rejected. You've got to put your feet on the only foundation that will never be shaken. And his name is Jesus. Oh, I wish somebody would magnify that name for just a minute tonight. Jesus. You alone, you alone, you alone, you alone, you alone, you alone, you alone are worthy. You're trusting in pleasure? Pleasure doesn't last long. You're trusting in your youth and your health? Youth and health doesn't last long. You're trusting in your money? Money doesn't last long. You're trusting in popularity and friendship? It doesn't last long. Put your trust in God. Put your trust in God. Musicians are coming. I'm closing. It's fascinating to me, and it happened so quickly. Pastor mentioned it briefly. But after the, the terrible fire at the Tower of Shechem built to Baal, Abimelech was feeling confident, so he went on to the next city. He went to Thebes, and he camped against it, and he took it very quickly. The Bible says in verse 51, Judges 9 and 51, it says, But there was a strong tower within the city. And thither fled all the men and women and all they of the city and shut it to them and got them up to the top of the tower. But this time, it wasn't a tower to Baal. And Abimelech said, Aha, I took that last tower. I'll take this tower. 
And when he went to fight the way he had fought before, thinking he'd win the way he won before. Devil, I've got news for you. You've messed with some people and you think you can mess with these people. But they're not trusting in the tower you think they're trusting in. And they ran themselves to the top of the tower. And the woman with the millstone, Pastor read it. It's so amazing to me. She had this millstone and, and she just dropped it down and it crushed the skull of Abimelech. And Abimelech was so frustrated, even in his death. He wasn't totally dead, but he was on his way. And he looked at his servant and he said, I want you to thrust me through with the sword because I don't want it to be my memory that it was a woman who killed me. <laughs> Stand with me, I'm closing. I'm preaching to somebody here tonight. You feel insignificant in the kingdom of God. You feel insignificant. You don't feel like you're able to make a difference. But I want you to know if you will put your trust in the strong tower of Jesus Christ. If you will run to him alone for your strength and for your help. You can do more damage to the enemy. Then all the armies of Shechem put together. One spirit-filled, dedicated, holiness, apostolic woman with power on her head and authority with the angels has more power in the spirit realm than all the armies of this world. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Some of you apostolic ladies, you're, you're, you're wondering if, if you really need to to be separated from this world. I want you to know that you have more authority in the spirit realm because you are separated and because you have run into the tower of God. You need to stop looking at yourself as less than what you are. You need to stop letting the enemy intimidate you and tell you that you're strange or peculiar. You are a daughter of the king and you have more authority with one little millstone than all the armies of this world put together. Because you have separated yourself. Because you've decided... I'm going to lift, oh, I'm preaching to an apostolic lady tonight. You've decided I am going to lift up the standard of Jehovah. I'm going to live the way he wants me to live. I'm going to walk the way he wants me to walk. I'm going to dress the way he wants me to dress. I'm going to do what he's called me to do. And when the enemy comes against my home, comes against my kids, comes against my family, comes against my church, all I need is a millstone. And I can do more with the millstone than all of the armies of Shechem put together.